Let's, let's shout to the world. Hallelujah. We are River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and we are, we are on fire. We are hosting a move of God in our state, and uh, we're, we're preparing ourselves, and we're pre preparing our ground for our seed to go into it. So before I start this morning, we're going to start a new series, but before we start, I want to just read to you, just don't go there, but it's in Hebrews 4.12. Uh, the Lord gave me this just now. It says, for the word of God, say the word of God. For the word of God is, is quick, living, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, piercing, a deliberate intrusion. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We're about to break open the Word of God, family, and you'll be changed because the Word of God, and that's what we're going to preach, we're going to teach, we're going to, we're going to expound, we're going to listen, we're going to meditate, we're going to hearken to the Word of God, and it will change you. It will change your future. It will change your tomorrow. It will transform your mind, renew your mind, and transform your life. This isn't just talking. This isn't just like a speech or a whatever. This is profoundly important and profoundly important. Uh, powerful, excuse me. Powerful. And so it's up to you and me. You can open the gate wide and say, come on inward, or you can close it off and say, I'm pretty comfortable right now. But in the world, you won't be comfortable long. You will have to either perish or, or bank on the word. So let's bank on it early so we never have to have to perish. So turn in your Bible with me, if you would, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 28. Let's go to the right, to the heart of the word, Proverbs 28. And I want to minister on something that may seem a little brash to you, but I'm going to call this little thing that we're going to minister on, I'm going to call it, I'm always right. So even if you don't really agree with that right now, just by faith, say it with me. I'm always right. Now, if that was true, wouldn't it be a great day? Wouldn't it be a great day? And I'm sure wives all over are saying, yeah, that's what he thinks. Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, I'm living with the Mr. I'm al always right. But it's not going to be in that context. It's not going to be know-it-all. It's not going to be uh, real educated. We're going to talk about a spiritual principle that has determined you, the identity of who you and I are. And there's nothing more important what you're doing right now, now that you're born again and spirit-filled, there's nothing more important. Do you want to know what the most important thing is for you to have and do? Is to find out who you are. There's nothing else going on. Well, I need to pray more. Well, I need to give more. No, you need to find out who you are, and then you'll pray more and you'll give more. Or whatever you want to do in the kingdom. You have to know why you want to give more and pray more and all that. And nothing happens in the kingdom without knowing who you are. I wrote down that to the believer, faith is failure proof when he knows his place in the covenant. Faith is failure proof when the believer knows his place in the covenant. We got lots of people all over the world that don't know who they are in their marriage. They're, they're, they're mixed up. They think we're all just people and we're all just got the last name in a family or whatever and that it's all the same. And so they cling to their children all their life and they, they kick their husband or their wife to the curb, you know, if she doesn't please him, if he, if he doesn't do right. And they, they act like they're in covenant with their children, but we are not, you are not 
in covenant with your children. You're in covenant with your mate. And uh, that's where the power is. The Bible says your kids ought to cleave and leave or leave and cleave. Leave and cleave. Aren't you glad that sometimes they come back, but at least for a little while they're supposed to leave and cleave to their mate. Well, that's not really all that important, except when we know who we are in the kingdom, when we know who the covenant maker is and we enter into that covenant, we're indestructible. We're untouchable. We're infallible. Why are you having troubles? Why do I have to go through things sometime? It's simply because I am missing a part about who I am in him. When I know who I am in him, health and wholeness is automatic. When I know who I am in him, supply, it's always there. So I'm going to go. That seemed to be pretty good. I'll just do. I'll just go further. Let's read verse one in chapter 28 of Proverbs. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. The wicked flee when no one pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Let's read it again. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Powerful, powerful word right there, even in the Old Testament. Uh, the Passion Translation says that guilty criminals experience paranoia. I like that. Guilty criminals experience paranoia. The, the BBE, it's in there. Y'all know what it is. It's uh, something English, the better Bible in English or something. It says, but the upright are without fear. The, uh, say it with me. The upright are without fear. Now, what could you do? What could you and I do if we weren't afraid? What could you, what are the limits? What's the boundaries? How far can you go if you are not afraid? I submit you would be limitless, that you'd be boundless. You, there's no, everything, everybody stops and everything stops when we get afraid. We, we just roll in there and take over. If we weren't afraid of somebody or something or our future or it's, it's fear. It's just being afraid. It says, guilty criminals experience paranoia, but the upright are without fear. That without fear means to be confident, means to be carefree. It means to be secure. And we know one of the attributes of every American is that they want to be secure. They want to be safe. Well, it's that way in the kingdom, too. We want to be secure. So this, this jibber-jab about, you know, God's in control, but you never know what he's going to do. Those Christians are not secure. Those Christians are not fearless. They, they, they don't trust God because you never know what God's going to do. But we do. We know exactly what he's going to do. We know exactly how he thinks. We know exactly where he's going. We know exactly why things happen. You can answer every question about everything in the world except what your neighbor's done. You can't, God will not tell you what your neighbor's done. Aren't you glad? That means he's not telling on you and me. Hallelujah. But aside from that, you can know anything God knows if you have a reason to know it. Well, that means it's wide open. Wow. He's telling all. Praise God. So what kind of man, what kind of righteous man is fearless? Because obviously there's a lot of people that are born again that are full of fear. But what kind of righteous man is fearless? 
It's the righteous man that knows he's a righteous man. And you may say, and we can all say this out of our head, well, I know I'm the righteousness of God in him, but knowing in your head is not the same as being unmovable, unstoppable. Down here. The knower is down here. The hoper is up here, but the knower is down here. And so we're working on this down here. Now, sin can't touch you. You are sealed by the Holy Ghost, and sin cannot touch you. You have never been touched by sin in your spirit. When y'all say amen, I'm going to move on. You've never been. You go, well, you know, if we sin bad enough, we'll, we won't go to heaven. You're wrong. If you're born again, you are going to heaven. They all said, they all shouted until he could hardly ever get the pulpit back. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, amen. So what kind of righteous man is fearless? The righteous man that knows he's righteous. And so uh, the righteous man is aligned with truth. What do y'all know about truth? Truth never fails because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. So we know he can't fail. We know God's word has never failed. It cannot fail. It's truth. So the righteous man is the man that dares to be aligned to truth. So you go, well, what do we, we need some lessons on Goliath and on the flood and all that. No, we need lessons on how to know who we are, to be fearless in our spirit. When you're, you go, well, what, what, would, what about Jesus? Why was he fearless? Do you all know why he was fearless? He knew who he was. I'm born again. You're born again. We're, we're spirit filled. We are, we're going to bust heaven wide open and have such a good time. But on the earth, as in right now, these days, we, not, we might not be busting stuff right in. We may be getting busted. Why? Because we don't know who we are. We, we, we've heard who we are. We've heard them preach who we are. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're the, you're the head and not the tail. You're above only and not beneath. Uh, you always triumph in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We, we heard all that. He was in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He will say of the Lord, you are my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom you trust. And then they buckle down for what might be coming. You just never know. Well, we got to change that. And I am changing me. I, you are changing you. It's individual. We listen. We meditate. We hear. We look. And we change our way. So uh, the righteous are the people, the, the ones who agree with truth. I say, we say that we're easily persuaded to believe. That it doesn't take a rock on the head for us to say, okay, I'll reconsider. That when we hear truth, we know truth. We know truth. And we're quick to repent. We're quick to change. We're quick to turn around. It's the goodness of God that leads men to change. And we're quick to change. We don't hold on to stuff. Ah, I've always believed this. Well, yeah, but you were an idiot. I was an idiot. I was a dummy for always believing that. And not... Not finding out what God said, just believing what some preacher, my grandma said, or what, whatever, whatever, whatever. We're without excuse, aren't we? Because we got our own right there, and it says the same thing in all of them. We have to be changed by the Word of God. So, what about this bold as a lion business? It said, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Well, you know, the lion is the king of the jungle, so to speak. He's fearless. He has no enemies. 
Uh, you know, if he gets under an elephant, he's, you know, he may be mashed taters, but, but he's not afraid of anybody because he not run about everything. But what about a lion? A lion is fearless because he knows the outcome. He might have to be stealthy. He might have to, you know, get a gang of them, a, a, a pride of them, or whatever they call it. But he knows the outcome invariably. Well, that's the same thing about us. Why are we bold as a lion? Only when we know the outcome. Now, when you watch an Alabama game, for example, well, let's, let's say, let's say if you watch an LSU game. Well, yeah, who does that? Okay. You're as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room of rocking chairs. You, that thing, you're biting your nails. You don't know which way it was. And, and at Alabama, we've even been that way before. In certain games, we are. And we're not bold as a lion. And we, because we don't know the outcome. And I've never been so relieved as, as the, the minute when the, when the last whistle blew and they said, Alabama won. But now let me just tell you, what happens when you watch a rerun, a video of that game? You got it. Don't you have it? Yeah, we got this. Well, you already know the outcome. You already know how it ends, so you're bold as a lion. Woo-hoo, woo-hoo, more popcorn down here on aisle three, please. But when you don't know, you're nervous, you're reticent, you're hesitant. It doesn't go that well. You get to the end of it, and you go... Whew, it's over. But it's that time up to that that makes you not so happy. Well, we got to know the outcome. Truth always wins. So if I'll align with truth, agree with truth, cooperate with truth, come under truth, submit myself to it, I'll know the outcome because I'm with him. I'm with truth and truth always wins. Truth always knows the outcome. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, would you please? See, you're, you're probably saying to yourself, he's doing real good. <laughs> oh, you may not be saying that, but I'm not letting you go yet either. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now look what the word says. We're learning who we are. I'm discovering who I am and not, not just one time. Because I have lots of data, lots of media, lots of experience, lots of memories of who I was and how it turned out. If you've ever been bad sick, you're a little bit nervous about someone that says, ah, we're, Jesus has got this. Because you have experience that says he didn't get this. Are you all there? I believe I'll bring my tithe in, even though if I pay it, I won't be able to pay the rent. You got to believe you have to have a deep seated thing that which we're getting here at River Church when we say there's plenty more where that came from. That's what tithers say. There's plenty more where that came from. We're carefree. We're we just we have no caution, no, no backy up. We know how this is going to turn out. We don't know the path. We don't know who's going to be involved. We don't know timing a lot of times, but we don't care. We just know Everything's turning out amazing because there's plenty more where that came from. I'm a tither. I'm a covenant man. Are you? Of course you are. And so there's, a, there's an absolute outcome when you're in covenant with truth. Like, I wonder how this is going to turn out. Well, are you a tither or not? It makes me not very happy, and I stay happy all the time, to see tithers get worried about their money and other things. You know, it's just an oxymoron. It's like saying, 
It's like saying dumb cat. <laughs> All you got to do is say cat. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, cat lovers. I'm sorry. And then you say good dog. Well, that's, that's, that's a double meaning because you just say dog and you're already there. You don't have to say the good. Well, that's how I see it anyway. So y'all cat lovers, get over it and we'll just go on. Praise God. So um, we've got to find the truth. Then we have to believe the truth. Then we have to act on the truth, which acting on it uh, is, is believing it. You can't believe it and not act on it. Y'all say amen when you get that. Amen. So 1 Corinthians 1.30 is talking about Jesus, and it says, But of him, speaking of God, that's the context, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus. Okay, Paul, what am I in Christ Jesus of God? who of God is made, speaking of Jesus, made unto us, speaking of God, excuse me, made unto us wisdom. So in God, through Christ Jesus, we've been made wisdom. We're not suffering for wisdom. We're suffering from receiving wisdom, but it's here. Where is it? It's already inside of you. Down here, down here, not up here. Could be dumb as a stump up here, but you could have the wisdom of God down here. And then, and he said, and righteousness. So let's, let's, let's slim this down a little bit. Who of God is made unto us righteousness. Do y'all believe that? I do. I believe that. The TEV, the English version, some English version. But God, I'd write these out, but it just takes so much space, and I just don't write it out. But God has brought unto you into union with Christ Jesus. But God has brought you into union with Christ Jesus. But God has brought me into union with Christ Jesus. Can y'all say it with me? But God has brought me into union with Christ Jesus. Now, that's, that's a mouthful. That's, that's get around that for most people. But I'm in union. You're in union with Christ Jesus. Union. Not friends, not two tracks of railroad going down parallel. We are in union. Two eggs put together and whisked up. Where's, where's egg A? It's in there. Where's egg B? It's in there. We're in union. Well, we're in union with him. So it says, uh, the TEV says, but God has brought you into union with Christ Jesus, and God has made Christ to be our wisdom. By him, here, here it is. By him, we are made right with God. By him, we are made right with God. I'm right with God. Well, what'd you do, big boy? I got the one that's right with God, and he, he came in. I went in him, he went in me, and now I'm in union with him. I'm right with God. How can that be? Because I'm in union with the one that made me right with God. Jesus made me right, and so now I'm right with God. I'm right with God. Well, what if you mess up? Well, that's not a what if. That's a when you mess up, because that's going to happen. That is your future. You're going to mess up. Paul said, the thing I want to do, gosh, it didn't happen. The thing I said, I'll never do that again. Here it is in my lap. So we're, we're going to mess up, but it doesn't matter. I'm right with God. After messing up, are you right with God? I'm right with God. Two eggs in the same skillet. You can't, you can't take one out and say, that was a bad egg. No, it's all bad or it's all good now because it's in the skillet together. So by him, we are right with God. The ESV, maybe that's English Standard Version. 
I really need to get me a little card here that Barry knows what it is. But listen, here it is. He is the source of life. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus. Look, look, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness. God made him our righteousness. Well, I'm born again. He's in here. Yes, super Christian. Because he's in here. So I'm right. If he's in here, we cannot be separated. The Bible says that God will not deny himself. Well, what does that mean? Well, he's inside of me, so he won't deny me. He won't deny you. That's how come you're, you know you're going to heaven, because he won't deny you. Well, what if you're bad on the outside? Well, that's going to happen. You're, you're going you're to sin on the outside. Your flesh is, Paul said, in me there is no good thing in my flesh. No good thing. Well, pretty good over here. No, it's no good thing. Well, it's going to cause sin to come. You're going to miss the mark on your way to press towards the mark. You're going to miss the mark. But he said, I won't deny myself. And I'm in that man. I'm in that woman. I'm in there. I'm in there. I'm in union with him and her. And we can't be separated. So I'm not denying me. So I'm not denying her or him. Doesn't that make sense? Isn't that good? I think it is. I think it's marvelous. Hallelujah. So uh, if something is made for you, then you, you didn't earn it. If I, get, if I give Senna $10 and say, here it is, she said, what's that for? Just love you, sister. God bless you. She said, well, I'll be over in Drake Leaves next week. I said, no, it's not that kind of deal. You didn't earn it. It's just a gift. Well, Jesus has come to us, and we can't earn it. Therefore, we can't unearn it. Yay. Look in 2 Corinthians. You're right there. Chapter 5. Let's, let's get an old basic verse here and squeeze it out just a little bit. Because I'm not here to just enthrall you, certainly not here to entertain you. If you're not impacted by the Word of God, I have failed. When you go to minister to your children or your uh, co-workers or whatever, you've got to have fruit. You've got you to be able to be filled with something to pour out something. And so we're pouring up here. We're, we're getting filled with something so we can pour out. So that you'll be bold as a lion. When someone needs somebody to be bold, you'll be that bold man. You'll be that bold woman. You'll say, I got this. Well, it hurts. Well, let me, let me lay hands on this, and it won't hurt. How can you be so confident? How can you be so bold? Because I know I'm right. I know. Well, how do you know? Because he's in me, and I'm in him. He's been made unto me righteousness. It says in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let's read this one together. I'm in the King James. Do the best you can. Ready? Read. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Isn't that a great verse? You can change your life on that one verse. But you got to ask yourself the question, what changed? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What changed to make me a new creation, a new creature in Christ? Well, the main thing, besides just being regenerated, is sin lost its grip. 
Before you were born again, you are you were subject to a slave of sin. It just had its way with you. If it wanted to tempt you, if the devil wanted to take you out, you had very little resistance. It's called willpower in this realm. You had very little way to uh, to resist it. Matter of fact, the only way, reason we resist anything before we're born again is the fear of repercussions. We don't go rob the bank because we think they'll catch us and put us in the in the jail. We don't speed if we don't speed. I, or we don't cheat on our taxes because we think they might catch us and we don't like that. So we act good because of fear of the penalty of the law. But after that, I mean, if you read 1984 or uh, no, the Lord of the Flies, you find out that human nature without Jesus is capable of anything. You are of your father, the devil, Jesus told those sinners. And whatever the devil, or he still kill and destroy. And so we would too, without being born again, we would too if we were in, a, an, in an unstructured society. So it says there, uh, old things have passed away. Well, what has passed away? It's sin. Listen to this. Romans 6.1 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. So let's just say it first person. For sin shall not have dominion over me. That's what Paul said to you and I by the Holy Ghost. He said, sin has lost its legal grip on you, and now old things have passed away, the old life, and behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creation. I'm, I'm sin-proof. Doesn't mean I won't sin in my body, but it doesn't touch me. It doesn't touch me. Well, you sinned. You're messed up. But well... Little sins don't count, people think. But adultery and, and uh, robbing the bank, oh, that's a big sin. You're going to pay for that. No, you're not, because sin shall not have dominion. Well, you shouldn't have done it. Well, that's all sin. <laughs> we shouldn't sin about anything. Sometimes we do stuff we don't even know it's sin. The Lord gives you passes when you don't know. But we all grow up, and the path gets narrower. And suddenly, things he's never mentioned before, he said, let's don't do that anymore. Have y'all noticed? Let's don't do that anymore. The other scripture is Romans 8, 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. How much? No. Zero. Zilch. Nada. There is not a trace of condemnation to them that are so perfect and so good and walk in the light. Nope. To them that are in Christ Jesus. Why? For the law of the Spirit. What law is that? Of life in Christ Jesus has set me free, has lifted me up, has made me ride above the law of sin and death. There's no condemnation. And when it says no, guess what it means? No. None. No condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. Well, what if you do this? No condemnation. Well, what if you mess up that and you just you just walk away from God? You got born again and two years later you were you were in some drug den or some some hole somewhere and you you just are away from God completely. Why there's got to be condemnation for that. No. Boy, people don't like that. Good upstanding Christians in the church do not like that. We want a gradient that says the worst you do, the worst it is. Of course, then we'd have to put ourselves in that gradient. And you know, the, you know what we said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. People judge others by what they do and themselves by what they 
What they intend? Yeah, by their good intentions. Thank you. I had a little lapse there. Hallelujah. So, uh, so Jesus solved the sin problem. Did he solve it? Did he solve all of it? Did he solve it for everybody? Did he solve it for all time? Or is there some sort of lapse here where oh, society's getting bad? Nope. He solved the sin problem for you and I. And success, success is to the degree you know that. Because sin will knock you out. It will bury you if you don't know Jesus has solved the sin problem. You'll be under condemnation. You'll be under guilt. You'll be under shame. You'll be under rejection. And there's lots of people that never get over it, never recover. Y'all know some of those people? They're the most miserable souls on the planet. They've done something, which we all have. None of us have lived this long without... All have sinned. All have sinned. So we've all sinned. But some people, it's just like, they say, I'm, un, I'm irredeemable. Well, it's usually based on having done something good for God and fallen from that so-called state. They used to go to church, they used to love God, they re used to read the Bible, but now they're reprobate and they whatever. And they say, well, I'm irredeemable. And so a lot of those people commit suicide because it's like, might as well get out of here. But they're wrong. Jesus solved the sin problem. And your success and my success is, is not so much, listen, it's not based on so much of what you do. I bought, I bought Apple at $60 and now it's 100 it's not based on that. It's based on you knowing that Jesus solved the sin problem. Yeah, I blew out over there, but I recovered the... When did you recover? That hour. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from some unrighteousness, maybe a little, a little dab, all unrighteousness. You got to know that. You got to be able to recover from sin. You got to be able to snap back or you'll always just be going back, back, back. Take one step up and two steps back. You'll, 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 glory to God, amen, I believe and I'm, yeah, speak to the mountain. But the next day, we're, we can't find you. You're in some hole of self-pity and condemnation and we can't drag you out till you think you've passed some sort of time test where you think God has forgot it and that you can come out and ask him for something. I'm thinking about just go ahead and preach in the whole sermon. Hallelujah. Uh, Proverbs says, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. That's a natural mark of where we should be. Everyone sins. Everyone messes up. It's what you do with the guilt that follows that changes everything. And so my job, your job, we've got one job, is to find out what happened. What happened? at the new birth. Was it absolute or was it a gradient that says, well, God's still working on me? No, he's not. No, he's not. He worked on you. Jesus went to the cross and worked on you and he said, it's finished. You don't feel like it's finished, but it is. He sealed you down here and all this flesh stuff, ah, it's irrelevant. 
Now, if you, if you get in the flesh and stay in the flesh, if you sin and don't get out of it, it will have a consequence. The wages of sin are death. That just means it's not going to go well. It's going to be hard on you. So don't think, well, gosh, if it's all paid for, I'll just sin, I'll drink and carry on and carouse. No, it's hard on you, but you'll always go to heaven. And you can always find your way back. Praise God. Uh, let's look in verse 21 here of this same chapter. Y'all don't mind doing a little Bible study with me this morning. Y'all don't mind doing a little Bible study with me this morning. Oh, I'm going to be like Joe Morris. I'm going to sing number seven off of my greatest hits album. <laughs> Every time he says that, I just, I about lose it. Hallelujah. Well, it says in verse 21, for he, speaking of God, he hath made him who knew no sin. So who is that who knew no sin? That's got to be Jesus, doesn't it? For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, to be sin. To be sin, to become sin, to be made into sin, who knew no sin. And then what happened? What's the transaction? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is one of the most powerful verses after, after the new birth that you can discover. How are you going to live your life? How are you going to, now that you're a Christian, do we just, most churches just say, you're on your own until you go to heaven. But praise God, in the afterlife, you'll have a great life. But right now, we can't help you much. Just do the best you can. Stay out of trouble. Just what you'd tell anybody. You'd tell your kids. If they never got born again, you'd tell them, stay out of trouble. Uh, do this. No, that's not it. you got to know what this is. And so I looked up these words, made, because you see there's two words made in there. He hath made him to be sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. There's two maids in there, but they're not the same word, and it's important that you know that. Now, what we're doing this morning is we're just talking about the reality, the legal basis for you and I having a confidence that when we face the world, we can face it as bold as a lion. Not just suck up, not just survive it, not just get through it, not just somehow cope with life. It was tough, but we finally made it through. I don't know if we'll ever recover from this. That's not us. That's not us. And you go, okay, I know that. I already know that. I've heard this message many times. Yeah, sure, you've read this scripture yourself. But until you get out of here, this gray matter, and get down here, then you're going to act on this. And this area has senses. This has things that will talk to you. You'll remember things. You've experienced things. You'll have someone else's influence that come and said, wow, that doesn't really mean that. And you'll always be afraid. And you'll always live below God's level of life. What is that? To be bold as a lion. To get it done. Point yourself with me and say, get it done. Well, you can't get it done if you're afraid. Because something, the boogeyman will come in some form and find out what your button is. He'll mash it. He'll just mash it, mash it, mash it until you get beyond that, and then he'll find your next button. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Everybody's got a button. You couldn't tempt me to drink or smoke. I've never done either. But there's other areas that you go, whoa, I'm working on that. Well, I'm moving on here. Made him is the word 
He hath made Jesus. He has made him is the word appointed. It means ordained or raised up. He hath ordained Jesus to be sin. So it wasn't Jesus that became, it wasn't Jesus that failed and sinned, but God that made him sin, put sin on you. Uh, I think it's, uh, Psalm, it's Isaiah 53 that talks about the, the sin, all the sin of who we are was laid upon him. But literally, if you get this version, it, it's not laid upon him. He was made sin. So God made him sin, and Jesus was innocent the whole time. He was made sin with my sin. But then it goes on and said, okay, were we made that way? For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that, or so that, we might be made the righteousness of God. So God appointed Jesus to be made sin so that we might be made. That word made is, means, listen to this, it means to be assembled. It means to be kept. It means to, uh, to be finished. And get this one, it means to be married. Isn't that interesting? It means to be married, that we might be married to righteousness. That we might be, uh, uh, what, what, what is that word? Let me look here and see if I've got it. That we might be assembled into righteousness. So it wasn't because we never sinned that we're righteous. It's because we sinned, but he imputed or assembled or caused us to rise or caused us to be married, to be joint. The two eggs in the skillet, can't, you can't tell him from me or me from him. Well, he never sinned and you did. Yeah, that's right. But we were made assembled so that I'm like him and he's like me. You can't get around this with your head. You've got to get around this with your faith. I looked it up in the Greek and it means this verse means this. Here's the, here's the basis of this. He that made that we might be made. He that made that we might be made. Well, you know Romans chapter 1 verse... Uh, 17 says, the just shall live by faith. Are you just? Are you righteous? I'm asking, are you all righteous? Are you assessing and saying, well, you know, if you'll ask me next week, I, I plan on cleaning a few things up. Yeah, that's everybody. I, next week, I'll have worn off this little thing. God won't remember what I did right now. I mean, you just, you just ran through 14 stop signs on purpose. And you're the righteousness of God in him? Really? Really? So the, the just shall live by faith. So I have, I have to put on boldness that even though I've messed up, even though I fell short of the glory of God, I'm right. Matter of fact, I'm always right. I'm right right now. I'll be right tomorrow. I'll be right the day after. Now, religious people, that just, it just blows them away. But it's the truth. Sinners... Look in Hebrews chapter 11. Y'all got just a minute. I, I got to go. Nah, I don't have to go. <laughs> Until y'all leave, I, I'm not leaving. It says in 11.2, look, look, look. Uh, excuse me, 11.6. Uh, Where am I? Six. Oh, there it is, the first part of that verse. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Did you know, do you understand from this verse that a sinner, not born again, has never pleased God. And I'm here to tell you, some sinners are better people than Christians. 
oh, like way better. And they got their their extensionalists or their Buddhists or their 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 whatever, and they're but they're not Christian. But they're better people than a lot of Christians. Y'all know any of those Christians? Sure, they don't act very nice sometimes, and uh, we've been that. But but sinners, sinners, it doesn't matter how moral you are. You have never, they have never pleased God, not one time. Until they got born again, they've never pleased God. But now they'll tell you, I'm as good as old brother doodad down at first church. They'll tell you that. I don't have to go to church because I'm as good as them, and they're just a bunch of whitewashed people. They think they're better than anybody, and they go on and on and on. But they've never pleased God. In all their self-righteousness, all their glory, they've never pleased God. And you know it's on the short end of the stick when you've never pleased God. It's a hard life. It's a tough life. There's, there's, there's no life when you've never pleased God. The glory that we have is knowing, I nailed that in Him. I lived by faith and got through it, and not only got through, I, I looked pretty good on the other side of it. There's just nothing like that in your life. So Jesus took our shame. Jesus took our guilt. Uh, we know that from Romans 10, 11. It says, whosoever shall believe, that believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. Point to yourself and say, never Never. again be ashamed. You can mess up. You will. But never have another day of shame or guilt. This is a life-changing message, even though it's so simple. It's the ABCs of who we are. And so uh, guilt and shame and rejection and condemnation, they're the fruit of keeping the law. They're the fruit of self-righteousness. Those people, they're the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they weren't born again, but they were the, they were the most self-righteous people there were. Do you all know any vets or anybody that's uh, uh, survived something? Listen to me. And how they sometimes are guilty. Why would a Vietnam vet or a whatever vet, any war, why would they feel guilty? You got an idea? It's because they survived. They came home. It's because they have all their legs and arms, and some of their brothers, so to speak, lost their arms, didn't come home, has a widow with three kids and doesn't know what she's going to do. But there you are. You came back, and you got into daddy's business, and you're just, and they feel guilt. They feel shame because they survived, because they, and they feel guilty for being, listen, blessed. Uh, Christians are the same way. Lesser Christians, and I say lesser just, I mean, because they don't walk with God. They're not using their faith. They're just born again, or they're not. They could be just people that never got born again. They will criticize you because you're blessed. They will criticize you because it works for you. You got the favor of God on you. Doors open, and they're not opening for them. And you're getting jobs, and you're getting work, and you're getting... You're just getting it all. You, you're just a happy, happy camper, and that doesn't make them say, not all of them, it doesn't make them say, you know, I need to be like Jethro. I need to get myself in order like him. Nope. They're mad. They're envious. They're jealous. And they try to bring shame to you and I. I've prospered for a long time. It doesn't mean I've walked on the water by any means financially, uh, it, it was nip and tuck, but I'll tell you, even in the nip and tuck, my God supplied all my need. Now, it didn't look good the ne- for the next day, 
But for that day, I was funded. Y'all know what I'm talking about. For that day, I was funded. And the next day, you were funded again. But it's like you didn't have it in the bank. So uh, you stepped out of the boat. I stepped out of the boat. And people criticize and try to shame you that don't get, it, don't get out of the boat, get on the water. They'll try to shame you. you got to resist it. Because I've lived a life of obedience. Doesn't mean I've made it every time. I'm not even implying that I'm in that vein, but I'm just saying, I get back up, don't you? We get back up. Yeah, we missed it, but we confess it, get it out of our life, agree with heaven, and go on the next day. You got to do that. Otherwise, you're going to be wiped out. So I've had nice cars, have you? I've had nice house, have you? I've had, uh, you know, not, not bodacious, not We're not talking about some false prosperity here. We're talking about you had your needs met and it was good for you. You're being criticized. And if you take that shame, you're going to walk below what you should. People are going to say, why are you God's favorite when I'm suffering and doing without? And they'll try to get you to give them their stuff which they'll just twaddle away. That's not who we are. People say it's not fair. Christians that don't obey God, don't go to church, don't do the word, don't, don't forgive, don't give, don't, 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 don't. And then they, they look at people that do that and they say, this is not fair. And they'll try to get you to be condemned for that. Bless you, sister. What a sweetheart. I'm talking about the baby. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it's fair. It, the world is not fair, but the, now listen, listen. The kingdom of God is exactly fair. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's more likely that the sun will not come up that gravity will fail than the law of seed time and harvest. It cannot fail. It cannot fail. It will never fail. And so you go, well, it's not fair. Yeah, it is. God's fair. It's working exactly as you're working it. Now, if you're a sinner, life is not fair, and there's no way because you've never pleased God, and you, you have nothing from God if you're a sinner. You have nothing from God. You just have natural intellect and a, a finesse and an education or a relationship with someone that has... But you've never pleased God. I'm telling you, it's easy to be in the kingdom. Didn't Jesus say it would be? My yoke is easy. I love Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Now, there's a chance, there's an opportunity for all of us to be ashamed sometimes. Things that we've done, things that we haven't done. I've missed it. You missed it? Yeah, we've all missed it. Likely tomorrow we're going to miss it. And you go, I just was sitting there in the message and said, I'll never miss it again. And then tomorrow, there you go, stumbling over your own self. It's okay. It's okay. Because we're going to pick ourselves up in the righteousness of God. And we're going to walk like we never sinned. Going to walk like we never sinned. We're going to live like we never sinned. We're going to live by faith. We're going to speak to the mountain after we just had a double boo-boo. 
We're going to speak to the mountain and say, get out of my way. And then you'll see it tootling off. Praise God. Well, we're right. I'm always right. Even when it doesn't look like I'm right, I'm right. You need to get a chip on your spiritual shoulder. You need to have a little, a little air about you that the devil says, I, I don't want to mess with him. You ought to get a thing about circumstances that says, we can go anywhere, but we're not going to her. They'll leave you alone when you know who you are. The, the devil will stir your pot until you put the lid on. Never heard that before, have we? Hallelujah. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. Not by works of righteousness. So we're not getting any of this stuff by works. We're working because of who we are. Listen, listen. What you do has never changed who you are. But who you are will change what you do. Works of righteousness will never save you, but once you get saved, you'll do works of righteousness. And it's not even hard. So even when I'm wrong, I'm right. <laughs> oh, most people don't like that. It's like, ah, don't say that. That sounds this and it sounds that. Well, whatever. The devil doesn't bother me like he's bothering you. Because I'm always right. Even when I'm wrong. Understand me. Don't, don't cut that sentence in half. I'm always right even when I'm wrong. Because I'm in union with him. Well, you messed up. Yeah, but I'm in union with him. You can't separate us. You can't get his righteousness out of me. So even though I messed up, he didn't mess up, and I'm with him. Just practically cocky. Just practically, I double-dog dare you to mess with me. And when he messes with you and knocks you down and you mess up and you say, oh, this is the worst it's been, or when you, here's what happens. When you say, God, I ask you to forgive me, and I will never do that again. I wouldn't pray that way. That's not according to the word. I just would say, God, I agree with heaven that this was sin. It was sin against you. It was sin against my wife. It was sin against me, sin against my calling, sin against my reputation and my witness. I would confess it. I would agree with it every way it was because it's true. I'd find truth and agree with truth. And then when you got through that, all right. Back in the saddle again. Hi, old silver. Well, didn't you just mess up? I don't guess I did. We're forgetting all that stuff about God casting it into the sea of his forgetfulness. We're, we're, we're casting, forgetting all that stuff about under the blood. <laughs> God's good. And even though we're not that good on our own, surely we're real good in him. I am real good in him. Matter of fact, I can't mess up. Now that that'll that'll I could have left that out. I'm in him. Now I don't want to get anything weird going, and I'm not saying that I don't mess up in the sense of my personal and my flesh, because that is it's almost flagrant sometimes. Uh, and I don't want y'all having vain imaginations about me, because I just mean for me, uh, what I should do, sometimes I just sit down and say, ah, I just believe I won't do that right now. And the Lord said, you should have. 
You should have sown that seed. You should have been in that meeting. You should have been reading this. And I went, oh, yeah, Lord. Okay. Next. And he's just talking to me. He's talking to you saying, let's go, let's go, let's go tame this tiger. Let's go knock this devil out of its perch. Let's go set somebody free. You go, God's going to talk to you like that after you sinned? Yeah. Because it never changed for him. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Not even in our consciousness. Not even where we have to turn it off and say, well, I, I, sin's all over me. i got to spend some time with God. Well, yeah, that's probably true. But soon it'll be where you're convicted of sin as it happens and you turn from it in the act. And you say, nah, that's not the way I'm going. So the sin was even entertaining it. But Brother Hagin says you, you, you can... What do you say about your, your head? Uh, you, can, you can't stop birds from flying over you, but you can keep them from roosting in your branches. I butchered that, but that's kind of it. What is it, Barry? Building nests. Okay. There you go. That's perfect. Wish I'd have said it. Hallelujah. So, we're walking by faith. You can't walk by faith if you're beat up all the time, if you're recovering, if you're coping or just surviving, coming off of a big campaign where the devil whooped you and carried you out and buried you somewhere. You can't win. You can't get your job done, your course run, your, your race run. You can't do that if you're always like a yo-yo, bobbing in and out. I had a hard week. No, we didn't. We didn't have a hard week. Every week is hard without faith. But with, with faith, it's easy. It's a mountain. He said, take care of the mountain. Okay. Is the mountain a big deal? No, it's not a big deal. It's just a mountain. And I am a mountain mover. How about you? I got mountain moving faith. I walk on the water in, in, a, in a euphemistic sense. In other words, the impossible is not impossible. Amen. Well, that's good. It's just good to hear the truth. It's good to have the truth coming. You go, you go I, I know we've heard this message 20 times, probably more than that. But there's 20 more coming. Because we don't retain everything. That we, we get a lot of, you know how your computer degrades after you leave it on? Mine leaves, I leave mine on 10 or 12 days, never turn it off. And it gets funky. It gets where you hit the button and it, it, does, it says, I'm not doing that. It did it this week. It's like, we're not opening that program or that app. So you have to shut it down and reboot. Well, you and I have to shut it down and reboot. Amen. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, you are so, so good to us. And the reason you are, Lord, is because your blood has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And we are new creations in you. And surely, Lord, if you believe it, we can believe that old things indeed have passed away. We have to believe that. I want to believe that. Lord, help us believe that. And behold, all things are become new. I want the new in operation, Lord. I want the new to be out in front of me. I want the new to be in my path, fruits of, of righteousness. Lord, I want to live above where I've been living. But I'm thanking you, Lord, I... <laughs> I'm living better than I ever have. 
Lord, we give you praise for helping us renew our mind, restoring us, redeeming us, Lord, recovering us. But now, Lord, it's time to go forward. It's time to do kingdom business. It's time to get her done. And I thank you, Lord, that the greater one in us is absolutely doing that. So we give permission. I say yes. I say yes to the new creation. And I thank you, Lord. Everything is turning out amazing. Everything is just right in Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in this morning. We just bless you. We'll be back Wednesday. No telling what we'll do. Thank you for tuning in.